the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. Welcome to a brand new week. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a show dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering Bible questions, questions about what we believe, why we believe it, questions about something going on in your life. Uh, We'll do what we can to answer. All you have to do is call us. You can dial 210 340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call us toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can send them in via our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. All you have to do is call us. If you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is using the free KSLR mobile app. We have a special program for you today. We're going to talk most of the time, but we will still take your phone calls and questions. We've got one waiting right now. Uh, But uh, Paula is live in studio with me again, and we'll explain why in just a moment. Let's go to the phone call and talk with um, an anonymous caller on line one. You're on the air. Thanks for calling early. Uh, Yes, sir, Pastor. Uh, I am a, you know, pretty good Christian, you know, and sometimes I find myself worrying sometimes that, that maybe, I don't know why, maybe the devil will give me this fear or what, but sometimes I find myself worrying about whether or not I'll, you know, when I die, I'll hear the beautiful words, well well done, like, good and faithful servant, into the joy of thy Lord. I'll, I'll listen to your response on the radio, my sir. Okay. Thank you, Anonymous. You know, um, Anonymous, I think our Bible is specifically written to make those of us who are walking with the Lord, and, and by, by walking with the Lord... I mean, in constant fellowship with him, the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness and self-control. When those fruits of the spirit are exhibited in and through our lives, well, I think we feel really secure. Jesus said, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. And if we're walking with Jesus, if we're, we're in constant fellowship with him, uh, I think we can almost feel his arms around us keeping us safe. On the other hand, I think there are a lot of Christians who are trying to walk with one foot in the world and one foot, you know, with Jesus, and it just doesn't work that way. He's holy. We have to come to him on his terms. And I think when we are willfully sinning or when we are not um, disciplining ourselves in the sense that we're we're really trying to spend time with the Lord, we're really trying... Uh, to to learn more about him in our word. Um, I I think those are the times that we provide an opening for the enemy. And make no mistake, Anonymous, the enemy is always going to be there, and he is going to pound and pound and pound. And what the devil wants with you is he wants to make you doubt the goodness of God. And it takes the form of, well, how do I know I'm going to heaven? Or how do I know I'm going to hear well done? 
Um, you see, what we do in heaven, what we receive in heaven, doesn't really depend on you or me. It depends on Jesus. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Philippians says, He who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. It doesn't say that you have to be faithful or I have to be faithful. It just means we have to be with Jesus. And there is no place more secure than being with Jesus in this world. And we can't miss going to heaven. So let me ask you to to really look at the promises in the Bible. Read Romans chapter 8. Read it two or three times tonight. And let Jesus sort of wrap his arms around you. Remember that he's the faithful one. And all you have to do is be with him day in and day out. And except for the surroundings being so much better when we get to heaven, uh, I like to think that there'll be hardly any change in my life. I talk to him here. If he calls me to be with him tomorrow, well, I'll just talk to him there. So Anonymous, I hope that answers your question. Thanks very, very much. Um, we also, uh, I'll do this tomorrow, and this is for Adelia, who called last week. I told you that I would get back to you Monday regarding your question about the Church of the Brethren. I'm going to put that off until tomorrow, so please tune in at the top of the program, and uh, we'll do that, because today I have a special program. Today is Paula's and mine 47th wedding anniversary. We just had the kids in there praying, and they guessed you were like in your 50s. I love them. <laughs> but we thought, and again, you can, you can call. We'll ask, take your questions as normal. But what we thought we would do today is just sort of talk about how good God is to get us here. And, and um, you know, the people here at Calvary Chapel know our story, but most of you don't. And, and um, you know, 47 years I've had the privilege of being married to this beautiful woman. And uh, I almost blew it. And God saved me. So, Paula, you have anything you want to say at the beginning before we get started? Well, um, yes, God did save us. And that's, you know, like you were telling the kids, because one of the girls said, <laughs> you said, you said, we've been married 47 years. And her face was like, oh, my, with the big eyes. And then she said, that's a long time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but it's, it is an opening um, to say that. It's Jesus, just like the little kids say, well, how does that happen? Jesus, and we can we can honestly say, Jesus is the one who called this marriage from the very first time you came to my house, even when I wasn't saved, to say this is the one for life. He said, this is the one for life, even though we tried to mess it up. Um, but as you told the anonymous caller, um, it's he who began the good work, and it's he who's faithful to complete it. I mean, we tried several things to mess this up. And, and before we get into our really our, our show, I would like to say something to the anonymous caller. Um, because a lot of people make radio um, their church. Um, they're listening to all kinds of, of things. And, and though you are a faithful a studier of God's word and give really good answers. And I'm learning um, from this radio program as well. But if I make you God's voice, I'll miss out. And so um, I, I think, you know, even when you first got saved, I had been reading so many different books and the Lord had to use you to tell me, Paula, you need to learn God's word instead of reading all of these books so that you can um, discern the voice of God. And so this anonymous caller, and I, because I listen pretty much every day, I've heard this same question from him. He's, he's doubting God's voice or God's promises because it really sounds like he doesn't know God's voice for himself. He's listening to too much and reading maybe too much. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm just guessing so forgive me if I'm guessing wrongly, um, but uh, sitting still, listening to God, as we heard yesterday in, our, in the service, prayer is conversational. It's not just talking, but it's actually listening and not just listening to other people. 
but really listening for the voice of God. So that would be my encouragement. We've all been there where, you know, I want to just fill my mind with, even because I'm a music person, unlike you, as soon as you leave the house sometimes, I can put on the music. Um, and I do. And I get great encouragement from a lot of it because I can really truly worship the Lord and thank him for the other people who have been given that gift of music. Um, and I'm thankful to other people who've give, been given the gift of teaching God's word. But all that said, I need to know God's voice for myself. Just like you say, don't don't get steady Bibles, because then I'm reading what other people have been given, maybe by the Lord or not, um, instead of, what does God really want to say to me? And when we do that, then we can be encouraged because we have a word from the Lord personally that we can hold on to in those times of discouragement and the doubt that the enemy brings. So anyway, I'm preaching, but I just thought that was pretty important because I've been um, in that same boat. And I think a lot of us do, especially when, when difficulties come along um, because we haven't sat at his feet and really listened to his voice that's when the doubts come in and overwhelm us. Yeah. So, anyway. you know, the, the Bible doesn't save us. The church doesn't save us. Um, our emotions don't save us. Our circumstances don't save us. It's Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's a real person. And you need to treat him like a, a real person who's ever present in your life day after day. That was a big portion of my message yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, you should set up a chair for him. You should talk to him. Be aware of his presence all day, every day. And if you do that, nobody who does that will have any questions at all about their security. And then when the devil brings those lies, those doubts, you'll know how to deal with them because Jesus is right there and you'll say, you know, he's trying to make me doubt you and yet you're right here. I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. And and um, uh, I think that's a, a good word for, for a lot of us. Yeah. Well, Paula, let me let me go back 49 and a half years. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was home on a weekend. Um, my best friend was the star player on our high school basketball team. I was a year older than he was. Mm-hmm. And um, he um, um, he said, hey, we're playing basketball game tomorrow. Let's get together. So I got a ride from college where I was. And it just so happened that our high school was playing your high school. Mm-hmm. And you were on the other side, cheerleader for uh, the Bonita Bearcats. Mm -hmm. And I took one look at you, and it was like all the air went out of the room. (laughs) And I was with a friend. I said, do you know her? And he said, yeah, that's Paula Anderson. And I said, well, give me her phone number. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and said, you have no chance with her. I said, you just get me her phone number. Mm -hmm. And he did. And the following Friday, March 20th, 1970, a date that will never, ever leave my brain unless my brain goes. No, we'll be in the home going, yeah. March 20th, 1970, yeah. and people will be looking at us like, no, wow. But in the home, what we'll be saying is, what happened on that day? <laughs> I know I, I know something happened on that day, but what happened on that day? Yeah. But, but uh, I, I, I borrowed my roommate's car. Um, our, my college was about 70 miles away from where we lived. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I called your phone number. And I said, um, did Larry tell you I was going to call you? And he gave me your phone number. Yeah, he told me. And, and I said, well, I'm coming down tonight. Mm-hmm. How about we go out? Mm-hmm. And you said, I can't mm-hmm. because I have a date. Yeah. And I said, break it. I'll call you back in 30 minutes. Uh-huh. And I did, and you did. Yeah, yeah. Now, you can say what you want about, well, it's somebody my mom liked. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. Yeah. But... But you broke it. I knocked on the door. You of your love house, telling this story, don't you? And you, uh-huh. I, we looked at each other. And we both felt crazy in love. Yeah, we've been together since March twentieth, nineteen seventy. Yeah, pretty much. And um, we were in love in an instant. And we both had a sense that this was like for life. No, I heard that voice. Yeah, but well, I didn't have a sense. I didn't hear I was voice. told. Yeah, <laughs> voluntold. This is the one for life. Well, I didn't have any any <laughs> any voice. Uh, I just knew it. We were crazy in love, uh-huh. and um, here we are, uh, forty nine and a half years later, celebrating 
our 47th wedding anniversary. We've got two sons mm-hmm. um, and um, five grandchildren. Uh, we have a church filled with people. Whoever would have believed that our life would have turned out this way? No way. No way. Huh? Yeah. I was, I'm, just, I, I'm, I'm still in awe. You can hear I'm tongue-tied. Mm-hmm. Just unreal, because I was thinking, you know, back in that, those days when we were trying to mess everything up, that by the time um, our kids graduated high school, we were going to be divorced. There would be no Ron and Paula together. We would still be our kids, you know, parents, and we'd have to interact with each other maybe, you know, if I didn't kill you. Um, we would have to still interact because, you know, we still have these kids to to raise, but that we would be where we are today, no, there's no way. Paul, we got a caller uh, that I've been wanting to hear from. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, Ruben from Seguin on line one. Ruben, thanks for calling and thanks for holding. You're on the air. Well, congratulations. You know, that inspires me so much. Uh, actually ties into a question that I want to ask you, but first of all, I need to let you know what happened over the past two months of my life. Yeah, we've been uh, praying. Been praying. I'm, sorry? I'm sorry? We've we- been praying, baby. Pray, but thank you so much. Uh, I had the colostomy removed. I no longer have a colostomy black bag, which praise the Lord. Yeah, and I don't have it any longer. It was. It wasn't by choice. It was. It was. It was. It, I. I had to go to the emergency room because I got really, really sick and almost died. And but thank God, by the grace of God, that I am here. And um, I am. Although I. I can't talk that as well as I want to, because it's all in my abdomen that they they cut me up pretty big. They. They did a very, very extensive surgery in my stomach where I don't want to go into the details, but needless to say, it was very, very difficult. Uh, It was only supposed Mm -hmm. to last a couple of hours. It lasted 14 hours, Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm here. Last week I had a setback. I overdosed on morphine, and uh, I don't remember anything. But anyways, I just want to give all the honor and all the glory to God because I'm here. I have a whole new perspective on life, especially what the enemy has been trying to do to me and how how he has been trying to mess with me. Now, I have two specific questions for you. Uh, one has to do with God having a partner for me. I'm 46 years old, and like I told you, I... I I was living the wrong life, and I was pursuing relationships that I knew were not from God. And uh, I, I, I don't—I don't know if I've ever asked you: Do you believe in anyone giving a word of knowledge or a prophetic word to somebody else, in the sense of them saying, "Hey, Reuben, God told me to tell you that your wife is coming," which someone told me. Now, the thing of it is, nobody knew, nobody knew that I was asking God, that I've been asking God for a woman. Now, I don't know if I should take that as a word from God. Okay. That God told me that that's, uh, God is telling me, I heard you, and your wife is on the way. Um, And then hearing you guys talking about what you guys spoke about right before you answer, I mean, I'm thinking, okay, God, well, maybe it is you telling me that my wife is on the way. Now, the second thing is, the second question I have is I have changed my, like I told you, I've changed my whole way of approaching God and reading the Bible and reading it every day and and getting closer to God. My question is, why is it that those sexual things keep popping up in my mind when I thought I was done with them, when I thought, like, you know, I said, okay, Lord, I'm out of anesthesia. Here's a new man. There's going to be a new man standing there before you. The old man is gone. So those are the two main questions. I don't have Thank a phone. I don't have, I don't have a radio, so may I stay on the line until you're done? Sure. Sure you can, Ruben. And, and uh, I'll take the second one first because it's a, it's an easier one to answer. 
and then uh, I, I'm probably going to discourage a little bit at the beginning of, this, of the first question and, and then encourage you. So, um, you, you know, as long as we're in these flesh and blood bodies, uh, the enemy is, is going to do everything he can. He doesn't really change his tricks. He knows what's worked in the past, and he's going to keep pushing that button. And, and he's going to bring lustful thoughts, um, sexually immoral thoughts. He's going to bring um, um, all kinds of temptations around. And he's going to keep trying. That's his job. So he's never going to get tired of that. And, and, and I think sometimes we have an expectation that I'm going to be so spiritual or I'm going to grow in the Lord and those old things won't come back. They're always going to keep coming back. So just consign yourself to the fact that those old lies, those old temptations are going to keep coming because there's an enemy who wants to destroy you. And, and our response, Paul says, is to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. And we do that by recognizing first that they're from the enemy. Second, then we make them obedient and say, no, uh, Jesus, I don't want to talk to the devil. I, he wants me to do this, but I want to serve you. And so it is a, it's a sanctification process. It's Jesus allowing those temptations in your life so that you can learn to fight. And we're in a spiritual war every single day of our lives, Reuben, and, and we have to learn to fight. You know, I, I told, uh, I was just teaching this weekend, you know, when, when I grew up, um, bullying was something that just happened, but it's not like now where everybody cries about it and goes online about it and, and, and does all those things. Uh, when I would go home, tell my dad, um, Dad, somebody pushed me around. There's a bully at school. Uh, my dad's response was, well, come here. We're going to teach you to learn to fight. And my dad would send me back to school the next day to go punch him in the nose. That's the, that's the old school way of raising kids. Well, that's exactly what we have to do with the devil. He is a bully, and we've got to understand that. This, the first question, Reuben, is... Uh, um, you said no, nobody knows that, that I was asking God for a partner. Uh, but the devil knows. He knows you better than, than you know yourself. He's around. He has his um, um, uh, demons present. He hears your prayers. Um, he knows the, the, the weaknesses. Of course the devil knows. And, you know, God won't send somebody else with a word from God. Reuben, your wife is coming. Um, God will tell you himself. So um, everybody in the audience, if you're trying to butt into other people's lives, telling them what God, just stop doing it. Um, you mess with people like Reuben, uh, and, and it's often in a very tender area. Now, having said that, Reuben, while that wouldn't be a word from God for you, um, there's still the desire to be married is a good one. It's a godly one. And God is preparing you for the woman that he is preparing for you. Let me say that again. God is preparing you right now for the woman he is right now preparing for you. And so this is a process. Be patient. Don't take matters into your own hands. Don't try to figure out how you're going to meet somebody. You keep following Jesus and you'll run into the woman that he's preparing for you. And you have to know that by faith. 46 years old, I understand. We feel sometimes like our time is running out. But at the same time, it's very, very important to understand that um, his timing is always better than ours. So the desire, he's, he's not tricking you. The desire to have somebody comes from him. You follow Jesus and you'll run in to the object of that desire. Mm -hmm. Paul, do you want to add anything? Mm -hmm. Because uh, the, the problem with people coming and saying your wife is on the way is used by the enemy at times for your focus to get off Jesus and on to looking for who is she? Where is she? Is that her? Is she here? You know, what's she going to look like? All those things um, instead of on Jesus. Um, and so please hear what Pastor Ron just said. You follow Jesus and you'll run into her, but don't take your focus off of the Lord. That's so easy to do, please. And I'm so happy to hear from you and that you're doing better and, and that you're encouraged enough to even be asking this kind of a question. Does God have a partner for you? Yeah. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Well, Paula, um, 
we're inside of what two minutes about two minutes mm-hmm. um, I want you to be thinking for the other side of the break uh oh just just let's share some of the things that God has brought us through okay um you know, um, we fell in love in an instant. We knew it was for life. It's turned out to be that way mm-hmm. against all odds. <laughs> and at the same time, uh, neither one of us ever had an, an idea at all uh, about what God was going to do. Um, I also want to, to just tell the audience, we've got a minute left. Um, Paula got saved 13 years before me. And she prayed for me for 13 years told the church yesterday because we were talking about praying and not giving up um, um, you know some of us have a hard time praying for 13 minutes she prayed for 13 years and with all kinds of frustration and all kinds of pain married to Ron the jerk she had no idea what God had in store and the way he was going to bless her obedience we'll talk about that on the other side of the break this is a special edition of the word to stand up for life on Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. We will be back on the other side of the break. See you in two minutes. Back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our special edition program, 340-9585. Quick reminder that this is our Men's Retreat Week. Uh, We will be doing the show live on Friday from the Men's Retreat. Um, uh, you can join us Thursday through Saturday. Um, you'll be blessed. It's as inexpensive as we can make it. Uh, you can go to calvarysa.com and sign up, uh, or you can come to the church at any time. We'd love to have you come and join us. Paula, praying for me for 13 years, as difficult as it was, mm-hmm. um, I think most people would ask, well, what kept you going? Well, we know it was Jesus, but... But talk a little bit about the struggles that you had during that time. Mm, you know what? You don't know this, but I brought one of my prayer journals from back in the day with all the little, <laughs> there's like water stains on it. And I used to think it was water like when I was drinking water. Those are tears. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> anyway, here's a date. And I'm going to, this is pretty close. One thirty-one ninety-one at 3.15 p.m. And I have more prayer, but here's the part where I, I, I got to. It says, I've been feeling as though Ron's very close to asking to become a member of your family. I know you. What's the date? One thirty-one ninety-one. I've been feeling as though Ron's very close to asking to become a member of your family. I know you want him and what a testimony he'll be to so many others, especially our boys. I asked Ronnie to pray that dad become a Christian this year. And I'm chuckling a little because a few years ago, the thought of Ron being saved was non-existent to me. He was king and was not about to give up his throne to anyone. The power of prayer is awesome. But your power in answering those prayers is beyond all imagination. Thank you. Then I have some other stuff. And then um, it goes on a little later. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for Ron, Ronnie, Terry, and Moto, which is our dog. They make for a very interesting life. You've given them all to me in the name of love for me to love them and them to love me. I pray that we'll all come to love and worship you together real soon. And then I signed it as though he needed to know this. (laughs) Wait, wait, your loving daughter, Paula. (laughs) I was a little, you know, uh, immature, but... He loved the, the, the little girlness of me in trusting him with my prayers. You know, and I think, Paula, sovereignly, he had you journaling prayers during this whole process. And so we've got all of the pain. We've got the little mini victories. And then um, as you get to January of 91, I think he's getting close. Mm-hmm. The Lord was sort of propping you up a little bit. Yeah. And, and that it would be uh, uh, less than a month. 
uh, from that time when, when I gave my life to Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Now, while you were, were praying those things, my life was absolutely being devastated. Yeah, here, here's my other prayer. Okay. On two two ninety one, this is 7.10 a.m. Good morning, Father. Today is a step of faith day for me with Ron. He has something he needs to tell me, but he's afraid or lacks confidence in my response to it. I'm afraid to hear what it what it is, but he's about to explode holding it in. So give me the courage to boldly yet gently ask what the problem is. You've taught me that nothing short of blasphemy is unforgivable, and I need to let Ron know that. Father God, trusting you is easy. It's me I'm worried about, so please be with me. And, of course, I still tell him who it is, who's talking to him. In Jesus' name, amen. Paula, you know. (laughs) so, yeah, I, I don't, you know, you you were having a really difficult time, and I could say, tell that something was wrong, and I know in one of these prayers, I wrote you a letter and told you not to read it till you got to the office, which is anywhere from an hour to three hours away. Um, Southern California traffic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, oh, yeah, here's another one. I know you're with Ron tonight. What's the date? Okay, let me see this date. Okay, let me see. Um, 2-5-91, and this is at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, okay, so, I know you're with Ron tonight at his poker game. Remind him that he's truly loved by you and me and plenty of others. Keep me patient, Lord, in hopes that his secret he wants to tell me but hasn't been able to will be told to me very soon. I hope he's coming to you. Because I'm thinking that's going to be the secret. You just because you're so stinking proud, you didn't want to tell me. And so this is how I signed off this prayer. Dear Jesus, anxiously awaiting good things in love. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <coughs> um. So, yeah. So how do I, how did I keep going? Every day meeting with Jesus, you know, and telling him, you know, crying out to him with all of my issues. I mean, there's so many prayers in here that says, Lord, I woke up again, just not right. How are people going to see you for me still being, you know, this same old irritated, angry woman? And so on 2-11-91, you know, because... The enemy had really been working. Dear Heavenly Father. We might subtitle this 12 days before Ron gets saved. <laughs> yeah, 12, yeah probably, probably pretty much that. Uh, I said, I'm scared. Calm me. My chest pains are lasting longer. And today my left hand, arm, and shoulder are tingly tight and sore. I made an appointment to see Dr. Davis. Remember Dr. Davis? At 4.30 today. If it be your will, let him find that I've got just a pulled muscle, and if it's a worse scenario, let the problem be found in time that the results are positive. What ended up happening is there was nothing wrong with me except stress. The enemy was relentless. I was having nightmares. He was telling me that either, I mean, that I was going to die before you got saved, so that all of these prayers, all these years of praying, um, was going to be worthless. I would not be able to even spend a day with you saved because I was going to die of a heart attack and you know. And so anyway, I went and it was just stress. So how did I make it? It was only by the grace of God each and every day. You know, sometimes you'll say now, because uh, you're you're whiny. Your whiny faith you talked about the other day. Mm-hmm. Oh Lord, oh that was me almost every single day. <laughs> oh Lord and he said I'm still with you. I'm holding you. And that's where um, Psalm 73, you know, um, I hold your heart. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Because when I was in the hospital, having the test run on my heart, the EKG, the EEG, I think it was, they put me on the treadmill thing, and they kept uh, lifting it up to, like, uh, level 12, going really fast. The doctor at one point said, get off. (laughs) <laughs> you are just stressed. And then I was able to share with him what was going on and why. He said, you know, well, okay, kind of a thing. He wanted to give me some medication, but I was like, no, if it's just stress, I know why. And so the Lord will take care of me. Um, yeah. 
So that's the, the Lord is the one who who was holding me together, even though I kept feeling like I was falling apart. Let's fast forward, Paula. When when um, um, what was your reaction? Now I'm saved six months, and my transformation was pretty radical. Mm-hmm. I mean, right from the beginning. Yeah. Just yeah. Um, my, our problems didn't go away, but 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 Jesus was so real to me. Um, I'm saved six months, and and I come home. Or actually, I called you on my car phone and said, Paul, I think I'm called to be a pastor. What was your reaction when I told you that I was called to be a pastor? Um, I, was, I, I already knew because on July 18th, the Lord had told me, you know, this is how good God is. Because he needs to prepare me <laughs> before some things happen. So I don't say, oh, no, you just barely made it into heaven. You know, <laughs> you big jerk. How are you going to be a pastor? But no. Um, so the Lord had already told me. And I have that in another book that I left at home. I think uh, it was I know it was July 18th, but I can't remember the exact year. But it was well. No, that would have been 1991. No. I, I was I knew I was going to be a pastor in 91. Yeah, Six you months knew. after I got saved. Yeah, you knew, but I mean before that. Oh, before I already okay. have it written oh, in before. my okay. in my in my journal that you're going to come to me and tell me that. And so, um, yeah, so I wasn't surprised when you told me. I, in fact, I I was one who said you need to call your sister because she and I had already talked and prayed, and I had written it in my journal well before you told me. So I was already ready for it. It was like. It was one of those things where when the Lord told me, it was like, really, this is, you know how when you think it's too good to be true, unless it's Jesus. Yeah. Now, when did you, when did you make the connection that, well, if Ron's called me a pastor, I'm a pastor's wife. <laughs> Not until this is how God is good or I'm just dumb. <laughs> you were supposed to graduate in May of 95 from Bible College. Well, that January, they said, you know, there were so few of you left in the class that they were going to move it up to March. In January, when they said it was going to be moved up to March, is when I, what? I'm going to be a pastor's wife. <laughs> that's, when I, that's when it got me. The Lord just, he either... Covered my eyes, my ears, or something. I don't know. I've, I had written it in my book years ago. And now it's happening. And it was like, this is really happening. <laughs> Do you remember the lady, <laughs> the lady, Paula, who told you that, well, you know, now that you're called, just weird. Emily, you know, that's her name. <laughs> I remember her. <laughs> I can see her face now. <laughs> We're getting ready to go to, to leave for San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And this lady, she used to work for me. Um, uh, she came to Paula. And she said, well, you know. And I worked for her. She yeah. worked for you, but I worked for her cleaning mm-hmm. houses, remember? She said, yeah. You, you said, she said, now that you're going to be a pastor's mm-hmm. wife, you can't wear your hair mm-hmm. like that. Because mm-hmm. you wear your hair kind of spiky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't wear your hair like uh-huh. that. You know? Don't you have some dresses? Yeah, don't you have some dresses? <laughs> and you can't be funny. You and you can't be funny. And don't you play some kind of instrument yeah. or something? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I remember. You had pictures of a little blue-haired lady sitting at the piano, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, Lord, you have made a big mistake. Did I really hear from you? Like, he should be a pastor. But, yeah, um, I, I kind of freaked out because that's when I said to you, don't they have some classes up there at the Bible college for <laughs> for, for wives of guys who are going to be pastors? Because I need to know some stuff, you know. <laughs> What's up? I don't know anything. And, oh, my goodness. But then, you know, over the over the years, the Lord has been saying, just be you. I mean, he used you a lot of times to say, just be you. I was like, what? I don't know who that is. <laughs> yeah. And the one I do know, I don't even like her. You can't be funny and be a Christian, right? Yeah. Paul, let's keep moving forward. You know, when, when we came to San Antonio, we were both terrified. Yeah. Um, we tried to put on a brave face. You, you were great, I thought. Yeah, I'm thankful that you put your brave face on because <laughs> if you hadn't had a brave face, we'd have been a mess. But we knew that, that God was sending us here. Jesus told us that this is where he'd be waiting for us. Yeah. And we finally made that trip from California. Now, it took us two weeks. We spent five <laughs> days five days at a friend's house in Mesa, Arizona, just going, sort of decompressing. Yeah, we slept 12 hours in a row yeah. every it night. It was so emotional getting ready to leave California. Yeah. 
uh, our kids were there in, in the church that, that we'd found since now that I'm a believer. Mm-hmm. We'd been through homelessness as a result of my sin. Um, just just having the, God dealing with my pride, um, you know, the horrible circumstances we lived in was my fault. Then going to Bible college and God continuing to humble me. Um, and, and then when we got on the freeway to go and we finally arrived here, uh, at least to me, it just seemed like uh, we were excited because we knew what God wanted to do, but it just seemed like it was taking forever. We had 13 people come to our very first church service. It was a Wednesday night. That was the biggest crowd we had in two years. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just, Lord, I thought we were supposed to be here. And, and um, you know, it was so hard financially. We had no money. Um, um, I really didn't have a job. There's certainly no church that could support me, but God made it clear that we were to trust in Him, that I wasn't supposed to work. I had a job. I was a pastor. And um, what seemed so impossible, now 24 and a half years later, we look back. Imagine what we'd have missed had we quit. I know. Had we gotten discouraged. And there are times when I was discouraged. There were probably more times when you were discouraged. We were both frightened. Um, And yet there was just this thing that we knew. We had no option to quit. We had no option to go back. This was our calling. This is where we were going to live and die. And this is where Jesus was was meeting us to to minister. What are some of the, the, the things that stick out the most in your mind? Well, you know, I worked for the apartment complex. And, you know, I, I used to feel like, Lord, I'm the pastor's wife, you know, and, and we don't have a car because, you know, we lost our, we sold our $1 truck to keep the ministry going. And um, all the people at the, well, not all the people, but a lot of the people at the apartment complex had been there forever and they knew everybody's business. And so some of the people knew that though, they didn't understand that the apartment complex that I worked for wasn't paying me. They just knew that I wasn't paying my rent, you know, kind of a thing. And I thought, oh, man, these people know that we're not paying our rent, but, but they don't know why, kind of a thing. And so I had to get over that. And the Lord says, I'll take, I'm taking care of that. You just keep going every day and trying to serve him, knowing I wasn't going to be getting paid and still cleaning the apartments as unto the Lord, just because I wasn't getting paid, he was not allowing me to not give my best, not do my best. And so I remember kind of whining and crying, but they let me put our flyers in the apartments that I cleaned. And I remember one day I come home for lunch and I tell the story, I was just filthy, you know, because there was fleas and I was, ugh. Some people just were hoarders and they had trash just piled up everywhere in one of the restrooms this man had a real clean his bedroom was clean but the other side of the house was for his dog and there was poop everywhere in that room the bathroom everything and here I am having to clean that and I'm thinking what kind of pastor's wife job is this? And I'm just, <laughs> you know, thinking I'm a little too highly of myself. Yeah. You know, I, everybody needs humbling, and I was being humbled <laughs> big time. You know, my white socks she, had... She who humbles herself will be exalted by the Lord. <laughs> well, he was humbling me because I did not ask for that, and I was kind of whiny baby. Anyway, I was able to put these little blue flyers in in the apartment uh, apartments that I was cleaning and the, the people the apartment complex knew that I was doing that because I asked them if it was okay and so one day I come home and I'm just filthy I could take my fingernails and you know and if I had an itch on my arm and my fingernail would fill up with my own sweat and dirt that was from the apartments anyway and I come in of course and our apartment smells like baby powder and old spice because you've just taking a shower and you smell delicious and and I'm just filthy and I'm like this you know I'm the same one Lord 13 years I prayed for this guy and I'm the one that has to do all this so I'm whiny baby anyway while I'm there at home and and you want to hug me and I'm like 
just, you know, just step back. Just step back, Mr. Clean-smelling-good guy. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Anyway, we get to knock on the door. This is one of those ones where I don't, I'll never forget it. Um, and the, I don't know his first name, but his last name is Wright. And he, he had one of those flyers. You know, he knocks on the door, and I open the door. He had one of those flyers in his hand. And he says, I said, hello. And he says, hi. Is, is, is the pastor, looking at the thing, at the flyer, is the pastor at this apartment? And I said, yeah, he's right here, like with the attitude almost. But I, he didn't see it. He's right here. Can't you smell how good he smells? It's not me. You know, so come on in. Anyway, the guy, as I'm getting ready to walk back, because i got to go back to this nasty apartment and finish cleaning, he says, thank you for being here. Thank you for whoever put this flyer in the apartment because if you weren't here and if I didn't have this flyer, I was about to commit suicide. And the Lord said, you see, I'm working all the things together for the good, Paula. I got a plan and a purpose in all of this. And stop your whining. I got something to do. And I remember walking down those stairs, going to that nasty apartment with, with um, what's the bugs that jump up? Fleas. <laughs> you know, I had my white socks, and they tell you, you know, if you put your white socks on, and you can tell if you got fleas in your apartment. Well, my my socks were so black, covered with fleas, and I didn't care. Somebody's life just got saved, <laughs> and uh, so that's one of the ones. You know, God brought us all the way over here if it was just for that one guy, and it hasn't been. You know, there's been so many stories. The lady Joie, you know, yeah. We're, we're a mixed couple, and she had a, she had an issue with you being white, you know, but <laughs> I was okay. So one day she, she wants me to come over, and I talk with her and stuff. And, and then a few days later, I hear the ambulance. And the, the apartment complex is huge, but it's like the Holy Spirit said, that's her. Whatever you said, whatever you said to her, she's trying to commit suicide. <laughs> you, know? you know, the enemy is beating me up like, what did I say? You know, kind of a thing. Anyway, she, she's on the gurney to go. Who she asked for? Me. Not me. <laughs> Passed her on. The white guy. Yeah, the yeah. white guy. And uh, Paul, let's take, let's take a phone call. Let's go to line one. Don is calling. Don, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Happy anniversary. <laughs> Aw, thank, thank you, sweetie. <laughs> I know this, this is Don Don. and Melody. We're both in the car. <laughs> Hi, Melody. Uh, happy birthday on Friday, if I forget, because I'm old. Oh, thank you. <laughs> we just wanted to call and say thank you so much for the blessing you are to our family and our lives. You both mm. are such a huge blessing. We are so grateful to God for you. Uh, thank, thank you, you Don Marie. God bless you. Yeah. That's so sweet. Too sweet. Paula, uh, I'm going to give them a dollar later. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've, got, we've got four minutes. Um, let, let's t- tell the story about it. You, you tell the story about our dog. Oh, Mr. Moto. Well, I got to tell a story. I'm going to cry. I'm already crying, <laughs> Pastor Rock. But yeah, our our dog, Mr. Moto, we had him since he was what, six weeks old, and he grew up with us. And, and so, you know, the kids have grown, and they're gone. And, and so now the Lord calls us to come to San Antonio. Well, we're not leaving our dog there. So he made the trip with us, and that was rough on him. But, he was 13 at the time. Oh, yeah. And so we get here, and he's always been my, like, protector and my evangelistic dog. You know, he would know if I start talking about Jesus, well, we're going to be here a little while. I better sit down. Um, but, yeah, what a, I don't know. There's so many stories to tell about him. I remember Paula taking him at the end, toward the end of his life, his, mm-hmm. he had a, um, a disconnect between his brain and his legs, and yeah. he's 125 pounds, mm-hmm. a big dog, mm-hmm. and we had to carry him up and down the stairs. Hip dysplasia was it? No, it wasn't hip dysplasia. It just was a neurological. Okay. The, the signal wasn't getting to the legs, uh-huh. but but he, um, uh, we had to carry him up and down the stairs. So we'd put him in a big comforter, and you'd grab a corner, and I'd grab uh, a corner, and we'd carry him down. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to hold his back legs up while he went to the bathroom. Yeah. And, and then we'd bring him back up. And, and because our dog never had fleas, in Texas there's fleas, yeah. you'd pick him off one at a time. That's right. And Put him down to garbage disposal. Yeah. And, and <laughs> the, the, you know, when he, when he died, the Lord spoke clearly to both of us, said, 
uh, I taught you how to love my people. Mm-hmm. Pick their fleas off, wipe their butts, yeah. you know, hold them up yeah. when they're about to fall. And, you know, everybody wants to get you a new dog, but, but no, the church is your new yeah. dog. Yeah. And really, that's when our church um, at first began to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's just it, we look back on, on, a, on a treasure chest of memories that none of it would have been possible had you not been faithful. When God said, I hate divorce, if you love me, you got to love what I love, I love Ron. you got to hate what I hate, I hate divorce. you got to stay there. Paula, mm-hmm. none of what God has done, none of these, these wonderful things that we've been privileged to be a part of, none of them would have happened had you not been faithful. And even in your immature Christianity, you were committed to the Lord. That, that's great faith. Thank you. So you know I tell you thank you all the time, mm-hmm. but let me publicly say thank you for that. God rewards obedience, and boy, have we been rewarded. Rewarded. Your life chapter, why don't you close with that? we got less than two minutes. Isaiah 54, sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst in a song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. And has God been faithful to fulfill that? He has really been faithful, and even when I've been faithless, just like we're saying, it was him who was still faithful. I would get, I got pregnant with Terry when we were separated. God said, no, you guys are going to stay together. <laughs> so here you go. You be pregnant. And it's like, oh, man, okay. So God has been faithful even when we've been faithful. And, and we, left, we left our children in California, but now we have like thousands of them. <laughs> we sure do. And we got a whole gaggle more coming. I think we have 11 pregnant ladies in our body right now. Mm-hmm. Well, happy anniversary. Thank you, sweetheart. Happy anniversary. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the special edition of The Word to Stand Up for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.